Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an Indie Blues double shot from our featured artist today, Matt Woods. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
Woods from his brand new release. And we've got Matt on the line. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Hey, Richard. Thanks for uh, talking to me. Thank you for coming on the show. Now, um, I always like to start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know an artist. And the best way to do that is through your story, your journey up to this point. So give us the story of Matt Woods. Sure. Um, I was born in uh, central Iowa. I'm raised in Des Moines. Um, and I'm currently based out of central Iowa also. Um, sort of been in the area my whole life. Was r- raised with a lot of uh, uh, good music in the household growing up. That kind of set me on my path. But I didn't really start playing an instrument until I was um, 20, 20 years old. And uh, have been kind of working hard at it since then, I guess. Okay. Well, you know, every artist has that crossroad moment in their life where several career paths were placed before them. And what was that moment for you where you knew that music was the way to go for your your career path? Sure. Um, well, like I said, I kind of was raised around around music to some extent, but was never really interested in playing it. I was an athlete growing up. I played uh, college baseball. I thought for a time maybe that was going to be, you know, a career path. Uh, foolishly, <laughs> foolishly thought that. Um, and when I started playing guitar, I, I kind of just wanted to learn a few chords and this and that. And uh, I heard a recording of Sunhouse. Uh, I think he was playing Death Letter Blues, and uh, I've dedicated my every waking moment to that since that moment. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about um, this new release. You know, every artist, when they put together a release, they they look for either a specific goal that they have in mind or even a message that they want to get across. What was your goal or message for this release? Well, I I don't know. I guess I never really put that much thought into it. One of the the bright sides of being a... uh, middling independent musician is that I can do whatever I want and then nobody can tell me that this is a bad idea, you know, so, um, or a good idea. So I always wanted to make a, an instrumental record. I was really inspired by, uh, the early Freddie King instrumental stuff and some of the, the early Albert Collins, Collins instrumental stuff. And, uh, so that's, that was my thought behind it. I just wanted to kind of always wanted to make a record like this. And so I did it. Okay. Now, let's talk about your process as a songwriter, because I always find that interesting. Um, Every writer has their way of tapping into the muse. Uh, You know, the Nashville writers are very uh, structured in how they approach songwriting. You know, they make appointments. They, um, you know, they they have writing times every day. And it's a craft. They really kind of hone their skills by being consistent. Others are more kind of in the inspirational world where when this when the mood strikes them they sit down and they allow the song to pour out what is kind of your process when you sit down the right that allows you to kind of tap into your muse mm-hmm. well i think it's kind of interesting i'm i'm a pretty anybody that knows me could tell you that i'm a really practical person uh some would say type a in a lot of ways um but when it comes to to music or art or expressing myself that I'm the complete opposite of that. So it's totally the other side of my brain, um, working. I never write anything down. 
Um, I don't have any structure when I'm, you know, I don't make appointments to write or anything. I've never written a lyric down on a piece of paper. Um, I have these ideas that run through my head and I kind of sit down, uh, work them out with my instrument and, uh, play them over and over again until they're stuck in my head and they evolve, you know, eventually evolve into a song and I use it or they don't evolve into a song and then they just kind of, the ideas just drift, that idea just drifts away. Okay. Now, um, every song, I I always look at um, melody and lyrics as two different functions of the brain. Um, With lyrics being very structured, you know, you have to have that story, continuity, rhyme, meter, all of those elements of structure that needs to be in a lyric, but melody's a little different. Some songwriters like to work off a groove. Others like uh, a chord structure to work within. What is your go-to when you start hunting for your melodic ideas? Yeah, the groove, for me, groove is first and foremost. I mean, that, that's probably the big foundation that I'm always trying to build off of as I get, I get a tempo and a groove and a feel in mind and uh, build build off that with riffs or melody lines or, or whatever that will hopefully evolve into a song. Yeah. Okay. Now, you had mentioned that you don't write anything down, uh, but, you know, a lot of songwriters have embraced technology, whether it's their cell phone to capture those momentary ideas or even a home recording studio where they kind of lay out a structure and allow that, you know, to write to that structure. What are some of the tools that you have found that technology has brought your way that you found kind of indispensable when you sit down the right? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, in all the all the records and recorded music I've released in my career, there's probably been a handful of times where I've, you know, either used a voice memo on my phone to record an idea or gone into a friend's studio to get a couple demos made. But the interesting thing is those... The times I've done that, those I don't think those songs have ever turned into anything. Anything that's ever been made it on a record of mine has all been, you know, not there's been no, almost no technology used whatsoever to uh, to keep those ideas down. They just tend to come about pretty organically, and if they're good enough, they they stick around and it it turns into something. So I don't know. I guess maybe I'm kind of just an old fashioned person, but um, I don't. I don't lean on that technology much at all for that sort of thing. Okay. That's fair enough. Now, um, of course, every songwriter comes to that point in a song's life where they have to put the pen down. They have to move the song from that writing phase and allow it to go into production where they give it to the band, they give it to the producer, and they allow them to kind of put their fingerprints on it. What is kind of your quantifier that allows you to determine when that song is ready for that portion of its life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a well, there's a fine line to me about a song not being ready or being too overcooked, even you know. So, um, what I try to do is I, I try to come up with an idea, flesh it out into something you know solid. Uh, get the band on board to, and play it enough to where we get tight, but we can still, you know, have the good, a good loose feel with it. Um, and then record it. And honestly, the song, you know, we may put the, the pen down, so to speak at that point when it's recorded, but the song changes forever. It's constantly evolving. It's never really done. And with my, any of my recorded music, what you're hearing is basically what that 
song was at that that time that it was recorded. And then from a recording standpoint, you know, I mean, I'm just kind of, uh, maybe I'm just cheap or whatever, but um, I don't like to pay for studio time. So we get it good enough in there, and uh, I try to walk away and not worry about the little imperfections and, and things like that. But to me, that that song, what whatever that song is recorded, will always be, you know, an evolution of right. whatever that expression is. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you know, even if you're out on the road, you, you know, songs evolve from the initial recording, you know. And, you know, I, I'm, I've been a recording engineer since 1980. And um, some of the greatest moments in recorded history have been the mistakes that were made in the studio and they just kept them, you know. Absolutely. So, you yeah. Know, I, I'm a firm believer in that spontaneity, that, um, you know, that rawness that you get when you allow the, the musicians to just you know, capture those moments, you know, as opposed to perfection. Definitely. When I, when I work as a producer, I try, that's the main thing I try to get across to, you know, whoever my client is, is that, you know, this is a way that you're expressing yourself and it's going to be, it may not be perfect. And some of the best things that happen are going to be unplanned. Right. And, uh, to not dismiss any of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Now tell me a little bit about the lineup on this. Who's playing on it? Yeah, so on the new record, I've got um, my longtime uh, drummer, Dwight Dario, who's uh, kind of a legendary drummer um, in a lot of circles. Um, He's a member of the Iowa Blues Hall of Fame and has played with about everybody that's anybody nationally and otherwise. Um, So he's uh, kind of my my rock and my, you know, he drives the car, so to speak. Um, And my bass player, uh, Eric Gockel, is also kind of an institution, at least in central Iowa, as far as uh, bass playing goes. Um, a real steady, uh, steady player, great player, and both those guys are just absolute professionals. And I'm, you know, kind of humbled to be able to work with them regularly, honestly. Um, and then for this this record, we brought in um, David Zolo uh, to play some piano on. Well, he plays on most of the songs on the record, but um, he's a great sort of legendary uh player and songwriter from eastern iowa founder of the old trailer records and is really well known around these parts okay now of course you know when you put out a release you got to put together your team and you're working with larry k from night train pr uh tell me a little bit about that relationship yeah larry and i've worked together on a on a couple projects now and and uh I like Larry because he gets right to the point. You know, he does. He seems to do a good job of what he's doing, but you know, he he gets right down to business, and and I I appreciate that as a person that you know constantly has a lot of irons in the fire and things like that. I don't like to dilly dally, and neither does neither does Larry. So I appreciate that about him. Okay, now um, let's talk a little bit about the music industry. Um, you know, things have changed over the last twenty years with the digital revolution. And, you know, a lot of musicians, you know, are lamenting about, you know, how streaming has taken over uh, the way consumers consume music. And one of the offshoots of that is that the consumer today doesn't look at recorded music as a product. It's not something to go out and purchase anymore. It's now a service. If they hear about an artist, they go up on Spotify, they look them up. 
if they find them, they listen to them, they pick the songs they like, they put them in their playlist. If they don't find that artist on Spotify, they, you know, really just discount them and move on. And, you know, you can't be real if you're not there. Uh, and it's kind of that double-edged sword, uh, for in, especially for independent artists. How has this shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? Well, it certainly makes it more difficult to make a living um, playing music. But, you know, honestly, that's it's one of those things that I certainly, like you said, lament about it. And I wonder, you know, what's the what's going on with the world today sort of thing. But at the same time, I try to block all that out and just focus on the fact that I'm trying to express myself and put out a good product. And anything beyond that, you know, these giant market forces or whatever is kind of kind of out of my control. And like you said, as an independent artist, for me, I, I'm just happy if someone's listening. You know, it's like I know that with the way the world works today, I'm not going to get five million downloads and make, you know, make a few bucks off it. I just it's just really important that to me that someone's listening because there's a lot of work that goes into to making this stuff, you know, from the, from the very beginning of this, of a song's inception to the completed album. I mean, there's a lot of work from a lot of good, hardworking people that goes into it. And so to me, it's just important that, that somebody's listening. I don't, I almost don't expect to make any money off my recorded music anymore. Well, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, over the, the the whole idea with streaming um, came about when people were pirating, you know, and, and sharing music all over the place. And we figured, well, if we do this, then, you know, they'll stop doing that, which effectively it did. But they really didn't take into account the independent artist in this. You know, the record companies went in, they made their deals with Spotify. But if you really look at Spotify, Pandora, and all these streaming platforms... The bulk of their content really comes from the independent artist community. And if you look at the the, uh, the structure on how independent artists are paid, this is not sustainable. We can't continue to uh, ask artists to create content if we can't even allow them to break even on the process of writing, recording, and putting out uh, new content. So what do you think needs to happen to kind of right that ship a little bit? Oh boy. I don't know. I mean, that's a huge, you know, obviously a huge question yeah, that's, that's driven that's by a lot of market forces. I mean, dollar question. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you've got people that it's just like, you know, people even scoff at the idea of paying a cover charge to come see a live band anymore. So I think it's not only there's huge market forces in play, but it's also a big, you know, culture, thing too right i mean it seems like there's times in history where art of all forms music and otherwise is is deeply appreciated and uh people are happy to pay for it or do what they need to do to support it and there's just times in history where it's where it's not appreciated and i think i mean it's hard to say looking from the inside of the fishbowl or whatever but it seems like maybe we're in one of those times where it's just not appreciated as a as a culture you know well, yeah, I know it's it's especially out on the road. It's really, really tough, you know, to you know get an audience to come and see live music. Um, you know, especially that that experience of watching music in the moment. You know, where you see musicians create something that won't exist again. 
You know what I mean? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's a unique experience. And, you know, I think a lot of what's happening on the Internet, especially with um, how the pandemic had forced a lot of artists to start creating content and creating, um, kind of utilizing their social media, kind of brought that back or at least exposed a new audience to this new world of independent artists. What are some of the things that you're doing that are helping you create, you know, that brand or that um, presence on social media with your content? Oh, well, admittedly, this is not my my strong suit at all. And, and, you know, I try to do what I can to to post things on social media and whatever. But as a person who's kind of a natural introvert and uh, and that, it's just, you know, really makes me really uncomfortable to really talk about myself or, you know, whatever. So that's, that's definitely a big challenge. But, you know, I heard somebody, somebody said to me, you know, a while back, it's like, as a musician, you have to understand that promoting yourself is the job, you know, even more than, even more than making your product or your music or whatever. I, I just, I personally, I struggle with that. Um, there's just a million other things I'm more interested in doing. And it's always kind of a, a task to do that. You know, you try to keep, keep people informed as to where you're going to be and when you're playing and the, the music that you're putting out and things like that. But, um, I think the people that, I mean, it's kind of been shown that the people that are successful in modern music are the ones that are really good at that, that self promotion. I mean, even that's almost even more, more important than their ability to, <laughs> you know, make good music. Well, you know, and, and I think the fans today, they really want, uh, a more immersive experience from their artists. They want to have a, a kind of access that is almost akin to that reality show mentality. They want to be able to kind of have that feeling that they're connected to the artist, that they're connected to their world, and they know that person or they know their world. And I think what happened when the pandemic hit is a lot of artists started to do, you know, they started doing live streams, you know, and those live streams were in their living rooms, porches, you know, kitchens, whatever the case may be. And they got to see that potted plastic palm tree or the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the treadmill you use for your laundry, you know, to hang it up on. Um, and, and they got a kind of this inside glimpse of, you know, where does this artist live? How do they live? What is their environment? And and they kind of really gravitated to that. And I think a lot of artists picked up on that and started to create content that was not directly related to their music, but allowed a larger swath of people to come in. To give you an example, uh, I know one artist uh, that likes to hike in the mountains. So they would do pictures and videos of them hiking in different scenes and wildlife and uh, another one likes to do did you know they do a cooking show with her husband and you know they they open a bottle of wine and you know they drink the wine and whatever comes out of the meal is that's what they got and it's you know it's entertaining you know and it's it it kind of gives the fans a respite from that here's my gig, buy my music, come to the show, buy a ticket. 
and it kind of gives them here this is what i do on my off time this is my hobby this is my husband this is my my puppies babies kittens whatever the case may be and and kind of um you kind of inject yourself into that whole tiktok uh, instagram mentality of the world you know what i mean Oh yeah, I mean, and there's some people that are very good at it and have been very successful at it. It's just, I, in a lot of ways, I wish I was, you know, more capable of that. But man, it's just like that stuff is just not, for better or for worse, is just not of any interest to me. I, I do it to some extent because I have to, but um, it's, it's, yeah, just not, not of any interest to me, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I can understand that. Now, you know, there are some technologies that are heading down the pike now in the music industry and there are some buzzwords that some people are starting to utilize and one of them is creating a a decentralized music industry and a lot of that comes from the world of cryptocurrency where they use this this software technology called the blockchain to secure cryptocurrency and it's what they call a decentralized system in other words no one company can control the blockchain once something goes into the blockchain it's locked in there it can't be changed and they've developed some streaming platforms uh, namely uh, audius uh, emanate where uh, they're claiming they're going to pay artists up to 80% of the incoming revenue back to the content creators themselves. And it's more of a direct connection between the artist and the fan as opposed to a corporate company running the service and then, you know, the artists, the, the fans pay the, pay the company and then the artist gets whatever the company decides to pay them back. This is more of a direct connection. What do you think of that as being a potential for the future of the music industry? Yeah, it definitely sounds like a potential a route, potential route. I guess you know I, I like the idea of getting getting eighty percent, but I also will just believe that when I see it type <laughs> deal. You know, I mean, there's no there there really isn't much of a precedent um, for that. You know, lately here, so. Um, but yeah, maybe it would take something like that to kind of get you know right that ship again and start getting artists their their money i don't know like i said i think it's going to be a combination of things not only maybe some technology inputs like that but also just more of a a cultural shift to where people are you know comfortable paying for things again because they've just gotten people have gotten stuff for free for so long that well i mean they're paying for it now i mean whether they pay for a subscription to spotify or they uh, you know, watch the ads or whatever the case may be. Um, so, I mean, it's not that they're not paying for it. I think, you know, I, I look at some of the the uh, technologies that have come and gone in this digital revolution. You know, you started with Napster, let's say. And, you know, everyone said, oh, you can never stop Napster. It's, you know, this file sharing thing is all over. It's it's impossible to stop. It's networked. It's, you know, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, where's Napster? You know, iTunes came in. And, you know, oh, downloading Apple. It's huge. Who's going to stop Apple, you know? And then all of a sudden, where's the iPod? It ain't around anymore. 
(laughs) Now we're looking at streaming with Spotify and everyone said, oh, Spotify is too big. You know, they'll never get, you know, usurped. But it's history is telling us that technology will change and the consumer will follow where the artist goes. So if if the large artists start to move to these blockchain-based streaming platforms, the, the consumer is going to come along with them. You know, instead of paying Spotify their $10 or $14, whatever it is, a month, they'll pay Audius. They'll pay, you know, for, you know, someone to run the nodes on these blockchain um, uh, streaming platforms and... There we are. We're moved now to this new technology. Streaming has to evolve into something that is a more sustainable business model for not only the, the major artists, but also for the independent artists. You know, this whole microeconomy that we have needs to be supported. Um, so I think eventually we're going to be moving to something that is more... Uh, fair and equitable to the independent artists. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I hope you're right. I guess, you know, the only, you're, you're right about the fact that the only constant is change, right? So yeah. it's just knowing, knowing which direction things are going to go and trying to be on that first wave and position yourself to be able to, to benefit from some of those changes, I guess. That's always the, always the trick in, in this industry. Oh, yeah. It's trying to stay on top of all this stuff is impossible sometimes. Well, you know, I I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with me. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. Turn it up loud. Screw those neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, huh? 